Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. Very, very, very special episode, though I'm quite late to the party. There is no sugarcoating this. We are finally, after such a long time, digging into the Bugatti Bolide. The Bolide, the car that looks like it came straight out of Gran Turismo Sport. And apparently, from what I'm seeing, it's not actually just a Gran Turismo Vision car. It might actually be kind of slightly real. Let's get into it. I'm very excited. We have four articles for you here today. Two from Car Scoops, two from Road and Track. The first one here is from Car Scoops. Let's get into it. Bugatti has unveiled the Bolide, an extreme track-focused hypercar boasting an unprecedented power-to-weight ratio of only 0.67 kilograms per PS. First things first, the Bugatti Bolide is an experimental study, for now at least. The manufacturer developed it as an exercise to see what a radically light vehicle built around its iconic 8-liter W16 engine would look like. Or, as Lamborghini CEO Stefan Winkelmann put it, uh, puts it, the Bolot has solely four wheels, an engine, a gearbox, a steering wheel, and, as the only luxury, <laughs> two seats. Envisioned as the ultimate Bugatti performance kick, the Bolot combines the Chiron-derived W16 power plant with a minimal body for maximum downforce. In this application, the highly modified W16 engine churns out 1,850 PS or 1,200, sorry, or 1,824 horsepower and an equally impressive 1,850 newton meters or 1,364 pound-feet of peak torque. Factor in the Bolide's dry weight of only 1,240 kilograms or 2,733 pounds, and you begin to understand why its performance is almost on par with a Formula One car. To make the Bolide this light, Bugatti used only titanium screw and fastening elements, 3D-printed aerospace titanium alloy, thin-walled functional components, ceramic brakes, and coatings, and, of course, lots of carbon fiber for the monocoque and other components. Described as the most ex- as the most extreme, uncompromising, fastest, and lightest vehicle concept in the company's recent history, the Bugatti Bolide is theoretically capable of reaching top speed of well over 310 miles per hour, or 500, uh, 500 kilometers per hour. According to Bugatti simulations, the Bolide does the 0 to 100 km per hour or 0 to 62 run in 2.17 seconds, 0 to 200 km per hour or 0 to 124 mph in 4.36 seconds, and 0 to 300 km per hour or 186 in 7.37 seconds. Not only that, but it can do the 0 to 400 km per hour run or 0 to 248 in 12.08 seconds. And finally, the 0 to 500 km per hour run, or, th- or 310 miles per hour, in 20.16 seconds. Furthermore, it's capable of achieving a maximum lateral acceleration of 2.8 Gs. Bugatti also says the Bolide would need just 3.7, sorry, 3 minutes and 7 point, yeah, 3 minutes and 7.1 seconds to complete a lap of Le Mans circuit, De La Sarthe, in 5 minutes and 23.1... I've, I've just completely forgotten how to read lap times. Jeez. It would also need 5 minutes and 23.1 seconds to get around the Nürburgring Norschleife. Helping it to deliver these staggering lap times is the most morphable outer skin... Sorry. No. Is the morphable outer skin of the intake scoop on the roof, 
which provides active airflow optimization. When driven at slow speed, the surface of the scoop remains smooth. At high speeds, however, a field of bubbles bulges out, reducing the aerodynamic drag of the scoop by 10% and ensuring a 17% reduction in lift forces. In addition, the flow into the rear wing is optimized. At 320 kilometers per hour or 199 miles per hour, the downforce reaches 1,800 kilograms or 3,968 pounds at the rear wing and 800 kilograms or 1,764 pounds at the front wing. Mind you, the bowline may be more than just an experiment, as Bugatti let it slip that it built that it built it according to FAA safety requirements. It also looks a lot like an LMP1 endurance racer. The Bolite is the ultimate answer to the question of what if Bugatti built a track-focused hypersports car that met the FIA safety requirements, said Stefan Elrod, member of the Board of Management of Bugatti and Head of Technical Development. Designed around the W16 powertrain with the minimum body structure and unbelievable performance data, the result, the smallest possible shell for a breathtaking performance vehicle that allows the W16 to truly come into its own. Does this mean we are going to see the Bolite go into a limited series production? Bugatti says that has not been decided yet, but given the effort put into this prototype, we'd say the Bolite has a good chance of becoming the mother of all track-exclusive hypercars. Next. Next. One of Bugatti, or sorry, the Bugatti boss, the Bugatti boss has made a claim of what the Bolide is like to drive. Let's get into this article. In late October, Bugatti presented its most extreme model to date, the Bolide, which it built as an, as an experimental study. Shown a few weeks back, the Bolite has been brought forward once again, with Bugatti releasing a new image gallery and a video of the hypercar that boasts an incredible 1,824 horsepower and 1,364 pound-feet of torque on 110-octane racing fuel from the tuned quad-turboed 8-liter W16 engine. With a light, high-strength carbon-fiber monocoque chassis, titanium screws, and connecting components and aerospace titanium alloy used all around, the Bolite has a dry weight of just... 2,733 pounds and a weight and a power to weight ratio of 0.7 kilograms or 1.5 pounds per PS. With the Bolide, we have dared to pursue an experiment of extremes. In our history, that dates more than 110 years. There has never been a comparable model based on such a minimalist concept conceived solely around the engine, said Bugatti President Stefan Winkelmann. I hope I got that right. An output of up to 1,850 PS is combined with a weight of just 1,240 kilograms, giving an unprecedented power-to-weight ratio of only 0.67 kilograms per PS. Driving a Bolide is like riding on a cannonball. Oh, okay, so it's not the reason. Oh. As the Bolide is an experimental study, these numbers are based on Bugatti's own simulations, which have also revealed that it could go around the Nürburgring Nordschleife in a stunning 5 minutes and 23.1 seconds, and can lap Le Mans in 3 minutes and 7.1 seconds. With that out of the way, let's go to Road and Track. At the Frankfurt Motor Show last September, Bugatti Design Chief, I'm sorry, I'm not even going to attempt to try and say your name, I'm just going to butcher it, I really apologize, shared his desire to build a truly lightweight race car, but conceded that such a machine would likely never exist. But if the past few months have taught us anything, it's that things change quickly. The Bolide is the car that this person dreamed of, and it's no concept, fantasy, wet dream, it's real. You have no idea how long I've been hoping for this moment to actually unleash this idea, this very specific person told Roden Track. Since its revival by the Volkswagen Group, Bugatti has built ultra-fast, ultra-luxurious, mid-engine GT cars only opulent tours proved foundational to the brand back when Atori Bugatti was in charge. Wait, let me reread that sentence. 
Since its revival by the Volkswagen Group, Bugatti has built ultra-fast, ultra-luxurious mid-engine GT cars only. Oh, I, I missed the period. That's where. Okay. Opulent tours proved foundational to the brand back when Ettore Bugatti was in charge. But Bugatti's first real success came with lightweight race cars, most notably the Type 35, one of the most dominant race cars of the 1920s and 1930s. Cars like the Type 35 were masterpieces, small, elegant, and most importantly, fast. So there's a great poetry in Bugatti reviving that idea today. And this very specific person is a big fan of lightweight sports cars himself. His personal car is a heavily modified Porsche 911 SC that weighs just over 1,800 pounds. It's Porsche nerd perfection. Work on the Bolite prototype began late last year before Christmas. This very specific person's ultimate dream was to do, sorry, was to do start from, there might be a word missing there, was to do the start, that's just a weird sentence, was to do start from scratch, but that wasn't financially viable. Stefan Winkelmann, hope I got that right, CEO of Bugatti, instead suggested wedging the brand's quad-turbo W16 in the lightest package possible. Let's not beat around the bush. Developing an engine is massively cost-intensive, as you know. And... And as you can imagine, this very specific person said, and on the other hand, we've never presented the W16 in its purest form, raw as it comes and given W10 octane and then give it the beans. Somebody had to do it. Yeehaw. So as it sits right now, running on 110 octane, but well, we already know the horsepower and we already know the weight, so we'll skip over that. Except, I will say this. For comparison, a Chevron Persport makes 1,500 horsepower and weighs a little under 4,000 pounds. So obviously that power to weight ratio is nothing to scoff at. That's just terrifying. A Persport weighs just under 4,000 pounds and has 1,500 horsepower. This thing has 1,800 horsepower and weighs 2,733 pounds. That's got to be terrifying. I would love, I would love and hate to drive that thing. I would love it because it would forget a bat out of hell. That would be all of the, whatever the hell equivalent of a demigod is. That would be all of them out of hell. But at the same time, I would probably be motion sick, motion sick to the, to Mars and back. Anyway though, this very specific person says his guiding design philosophy is form following performance. And this car, free of any conventional road or race regulations to meet, adheres to that mantra. This is not a styling exercise. This cannot be dominated by, oh, I'd like to move this line here and there. No, it's not going to happen, he says. I need to understand what is the purpose of all our technical circumstances and how do I package them into a stylistic win-win situation with my engineers. The stylistic drive in this whole project is, if I'm really honest, an afterthought, he adds. Take the rear end, for example. The diffuser needs to have ultimate performance, no. Therefore, you cannot afford to have an exhaust sitting in the diffuser because it takes performance away. Where do you move the exhaust? Boom! Directly behind the engine. The X-shaped taillight motif around the exhaust was developed to allow for the most efficient airflow at the back of the car, not simply to look cool. Right now, the Bolide exists as what this very specific person terms a Stage 1 prototype. It's fully functional. It's not Vision GT number 2, this very specific person said. See, I was right there with him. But Bugatti hasn't yet decided if it's going to if it's going to put the Bolide into production yet. If there's enough customer interest to justify the investment, then there's a real possibility that the Bolide will be put on sale. For now, though, the Bolide remains a statement, one that this very specific person felt was important to make. The Bolide comes at an interesting time for Bugatti. 
This very specific person confirmed that, as has been reported by various publications for some time now, Bugatti is considering doing a new car alongside the, Shire, uh, the Chiron. Possibly something a little bit more affordable, higher volume, possibly electric. This very specific person argued to management that if Bugatti goes in that route, it should balance it out with something in the opposite direction. When Porsche brought out the Cayenne in the early 2000s, it also built the Carrera GT. The former, a car designed to bring Porsche to a wider audience. The latter, a car to remind enthusiasts that the brand hadn't lost its soul. They didn't want to be shouted at. You guys are just selling out the company. You're doing a 4x4, you knew it'll sell well, this very specific person said. It's exactly why they created the project created a project like the Carrera GT, and launched it at the same time. To balance that, no? Stefan Winkleman agreed with this very specific person's logic and gave the go-ahead. If we take Bugatti slightly into a little bit more volume, we need to show that we also understand the origins of the brand, where the brand comes from, what makes the brand tick, the power-to-weight fascination and all that, this very specific person said. Let's show that. And while he pushed hard for the bolide, this very specific person insists that it's really an engineering-led project. Form follows performance. He's just there to tie the thing together and make sure it looks like a Bugatti without interfering in its function. But you can tell the bolide is near and dear to him. This very specific person is deeply studied in Bugatti history, and a car like this is perhaps the best way to honor that story. It's not retro, of course. It's more Atori Bugatti's philosophy applied by the brand's modern-day toolkit. This very specific person hopes that the right people get it. Sometimes it needs to be the customer pressure from the outside that convinces the inside to do the right thing. No? Now for one last article, also from Rotentrack, before we talk about the looks. Back in October, Bugatti unveiled the Bolide, a 1,825 horsepower lightweight track dominator with a quad-turbo W16 engine and a dry weight under 3,000 pounds. Up until now, we've only seen renderings of the car. Now, Bugatti's released real, actual pictures giving us our best look yet at the wild one-off creation. The Bolide isn't just some rebodied Chiron. While it uses a variation of that car's drivetrain, the chassis is entirely new, designed specifically for outright performance. The seating position and steering wheel are straight out of an LMP1, LMP1 car, as are the pushrod suspension system. It should be as is the push rod suspension system, the ceramic brakes, massive wing, and the magnesium wheels. The all-wheel drive system is still in place, as is the company's iconic 16-cylinder engine. Those extra 325 horses over the normal Chiron come from new turbochargers, a new oiling system, and an air-to-air -air intercooler with a water pre-cooling system. In addition to giving us a detailed look of the interior and exterior of the bolide, there's also a picture of the front clamshell piece removed. Allowing, allowing us to peer under the car's skin. It's pure race car, obviously, with the visible pushrod setup, dual radiators, and not much else. With the car properly revealed, we hope video of it on the move will emerge sometime soon. After that, maybe a record lap attempt or two? Let us know how quickly you think the Bolai will be able to lap the Nürburgring in the comments below. Let's just hope that if they do attempt a lap record, it doesn't end up like that Mazda concept from basically a decade ago. I think it was called the Fira? It was something like that. The one that burned down on the top of your test track. Let's hope if they do a lap record attempt, this car doesn't end up like that car. That aside though, let's look at some of the renderings. And you know what? Let's start with the interior first. Normally I don't, but I've just seen an interior photo and I really want to talk about it right now. This is pure Formula One. This is pure LMP1. It's genuine race car. The entire, 
the entire like transmission or driveline tunnel that splits the driver from the passenger seat it's all it's completely carbon fiber it's also really tall by the way but it's completely carbon fiber where there is fabric or a kind of fabric in the interior it looks to be completely alcantara i love it steering wheel has some alcantara has some carbon fiber the this the there's not even any infotainment it's just it's you remember remember back in 2014 when formula one cars had that weird nose slash um uh fun times object on the front of their car so imagine that but grafted into the interior of the bolide and it, it reminds me of that but it's literally it's just that with a few very race car like buttons probably fuel ignition and whatnot that's it the center console there is no center console the you only have you only have the the cent, the center of the dash and there's not much of a dash it's just a structure like a bar structure with a flat portion where all the buttons are you look at the steering wheel same thing lmp1 formula one ask you look at where the gauge cluster is well it's just a screen very lmp1-ish it this screams race car but even more importantly it kind of screams like gran turismo vision car but what's insane is that it's not a vision car and it's certainly crazier than the one they made a while ago Get, getting back to where the buttons are though on the dash it really again there's not much of a dash to speak of where they are it's more like just a floating upper console that's it that really is it that aside though let's look at the rest of the car this is the bugatti i wanted to see the Chiron purse sport getting closer the the car that kind of previewed the Chiron before it came out that vision that gran turismo vision car closer but this this oh yeah this is sort of like is sort of like bugatti's veneno but obviously way crazier it's gorgeous it's a this the bolide is how i wished current race cars properly looked just enough like a proper car to keep me interested but also crazy enough to be insanely futuristic and innovative this if 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 race cars were going to go the route of looking less and less like proper cars then i would hope that they go the bolide route and just look as innovative as possible make them look different make them look interesting rather than Kind of like weird wide set pods. At the very least, I certainly think it looks better than most of the LMP1 machinery we see these days. Maybe except for the car that Cadillac is running at the moment. Let's start at the face though. So the face is relatively reminiscent of a Chiron, what was it? The Chiron 300 SS Plus. So you have, you have the Bugatti arch and then you have the wide outer grills. Except it's just entirely open here. I, well, I say entirely open. It's very, it is very, very open. It's not, it's not just a massive hole, but it is, there's a, an extreme amount of airflow that can go through the face. The headlights are also really, really unique, kind of almost Pokemon looking because they're just X's sort of. So you have a central, so on both sides, you have a big central beam or bar, if you will, that angle towards the Bugatti, I would say it's a reef. It's not really a reef, but the arch. For lack of a better word, we'll call it a reef for now. They're angled inward, so from the outside they go in, and then they have they have a little slope that's skewed. That seem that seems to be done because there's a little bit of a body line that goes kind of like from the central where the hood would be out, and then where the headlights are is where the fenders would be. So you have the central bar, and then you have a thinner bar that goes in the that goes that is oriented in an opposite way 
to the bigger units. So you have ones going down, like they're, like they're angry, and then you have X's going up towards defenders. So the big units are going down and away from defenders. The smaller units are going up and towards defenders. Certainly towards the little, little I say it's, a cre it's not really a crease, but towards the little character line here. That separates where the headlights and the fenders are from where the hood would be. Very, very strange. You know, and that's very different. Because that's not a headlight we've seen at all. Again, it looks like a Pokemon. It looks like a character, a fictional animal. Which is rather strange, because again, most of the Bugatti headlights we've seen is just the Chiron. I suppose though they did that, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I love the way that it looks. It's just, a, it's a weirdly designed, or I say weirdly. It's a differently designed X, effectively. That's what it is. They put, they put an X as the headlights. That's what they did. And I imagine they did that to save weight, because that definitely saves a lot of weight. But the X to me is an interesting design. I wonder, I, I kind of doubt it represents anything, except for maybe that X for extreme, like the old Dodge Viper, like the Gen 4 ACRX, maybe. But yeah, the headlights, it's just an X. That's what it is. Forget all that dribble, or sorry, forget all that dribble I was just talking about. It's an X. Let's go, let's see, to the side. Where's the side photo? Okay, this is side enough. So you go to the side, and it looks a little like some of those futuristic F1 renderings that we saw a while ago. Especially the one, well, to an extent, especially the ones where they had a closed cockpit. It looks like those 2021 or 2025 Formula One renderings. We've, I'm pretty sure most of us have seen around the internet. So the wheels, to me, wheels, the wheels, the wheel and tire combo, very Formula One looking. The way, the way, you know how modern Formula One cars have that extended floor plan, or floor plan, floor, floor pan, I think it's to keep the air on the under underside of the car, you know, more to keep it on the underside of the car so there's less turbulent air. Either way, the, those the extended portions of the floor. This car doesn't really have that because the body is is existent. It it's not open wheel, but with the way they have the body kind of drafted around the side, it reminds me a lot of Formula One cars in uh, to that end. So it's almost like the side skirts. They go really, really far out, and it's very, very Formula One-ish to me. They even have a few aero elements. So they have an intake, kind of like a Viper-styled intake, a good bit behind the front wheel, and then they have little slits actually in that intake on the side because it goes down, down the side like a Viper does. They have little slits, and there's a design element on Formula One cars right around the wheel region that is meant, if I remember correctly, that is meant to sort of break up the air and uh, make it a lot smoother. This looks... Similar to that. Then obviously you have a big air vent where the engine is because it's a mid-engine car. So you're going to have to have a massive air intake behind the door. You have a, well, I think you have louvers on both sides. It's hard to tell because the car is, is two-toned. So you have blue highlights for some areas and then the rest of the car is primarily black. And so where the fender, past the headlights where the fender is, it's black. But then where the headlights are, it's blue. And what's weird is that I'm looking for the I'm looking for these little louvers on top of the front wheel on the other side of the car in this photo, and I'm not seeing it. I'm just seeing a lot of blue. So I'm I'm sure it's symmetrical on both sides. It's just hard to see where it is exactly. But yeah, so you have what's funny though is that the louvers are actually kind of small. I was expecting bigger louvers for the front for the front wheels, but it is what it is. Let's go around to well, let's go to the back. So as we just talked about, you have four taillights. Two per side, and they're in an X formation. A lot like, I guess, a Star Wars X-Fighter or something like that. Very much like that, except 
further spaced out and not connected. Then you have quad tailpipes. And remember the, if you've ever seen the tailpipes on the 300 plus SS model and how they're stacked vertically. Okay, this car has that, but in the center. Whereas the Chiron 300 SS whatever has them at the side, like far, uh, spaced far apart. These are central in the middle of the rear of the car, but, they, but, but they're still stacked vertically. It's, it's rather than them being quad exhaust, like a Pagani Huayra, it's more like they're two dual exhausts placed next to each other. That's, it looks more like that. Speaking of airiness though, I love how minimal the rear end is. Like there's pretty much no bumper. You just have a massive diffuser, some tailwise the exhaust, and then just massive gaping holes where you can see the tires. It's fantastic, and yet they design they they didn't completely forego the design. It does still look to an extent like a car. There is still some design here. It's not a Formula One car where you just have that the little like LEDs at the back and then the wing and you know you can hardly tell it's a vehicle. No, this is a car. This is this is a car in proper. It has an enclosed cockpit. And I love that about it. It's not it's not open wheel, it has a proper body, but it's still it's still mostly function, but it doesn't look like a Gumpert Apollo. Though, to be fair, I don't really have a gripe with the Gumpert Apollo because that is a really function-focused vehicle and <laughs> works very well because of it. But this is like a Gumpert Apollo in, to that end, except beautiful. <laughs> but there, there's so many vents and openings and just gaping holes for so much airflow. The aerodynamics that went into this is exquisite. You know, he... The very specific person that we were talking about says that he tried not to have the design impede too much on the function. I'd say he did a darn good job of mixing both. It is very, very function-oriented, but it's, a, it's like the BAC Mono. That's a very function-oriented vehicle, but they designed the function to look beautiful. It's the same here with the Bolide. This is a very function-driven function vehicle, but the form that encompasses the function... Or, the fun or more like the function that dictates how the form works, isn't, it's, not, it's still beautiful. It's a work of art despite not intending to be. It's sort of like how they say, you know, every race car is art, but not every show car is a race car. That's what this is. This is still art, even though it's pretty much just a race car. I can't, I can't even get enough of the, of the way you can see a bit of the push rod suspension, even though they have... The front clamshell on as well. It reminds me of the KTM crossbow, except less visible. <laughs> I think the best way to sum it up is to think of is to put it like this. You know the Dodge Tomahawk, that Gran Turismo Vision car from a while ago. Think of the racing version of that in Gran Turismo Sport, but with a Bugatti body on it, and it's and not as wide. And it's like that. It's it's a low slung wide visually it would seem like it'd be impossible to see out of race car it looks like a gran turismo vision car properly except it isn't it's the real well it's a real deal and that's brilliant how often do we see automakers make a car like this and it actually be real porsche is the only company that i can think of well porsche and ferrari and lamborghini actually those are the only three companies i can think of that have been doing cars like this and they'll not just be largely undrivable concepts. Ferrari with the SP1 and the SP2. Porsche with the 935 Moby Dick. And then what, what did I say? Lamborghini. Well, Lamborghini with the Cn, 
even though that's just a new Lamborghini, because that's insane. What was it? That I thought it was the Augusta. They had they had a few. They had a few. Well, the SC twenty and then the SC twelve that they made recently. Those as well. How many times do we see this? And and Bugatti just showed showed them all up. We're like, yeah, y'all thought you were cute. Y'all thought you were crazy. Nah, nah. Sit down. Boofled them all away. They just stole all of their lunch money without even trying. But anyway, what do y'all think of the new Bolite? Do you like it? Or are you just bored of another Uber exclusive, incredibly low run car? You know, you want to see more, I don't know, Toyota GR Yaris's. To which I would kind of agree, but even this I'm happy to see. But tell me what your thoughts are. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, then please like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, and share. And consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, I really do appreciate that. Please make sure to hit the little notification bell so that you'll be, you know, notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but don't have or want the pod being mobile app, well, then that's not an issue. Just download, just boot up wherever you get your podcast before you set off. Type in code ScarConundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I'll see you all soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at CodyCar, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.